let's think about gardening and get a little interactive for a moment. I want everybody who's in the room, people who are sitting at home, to rate yourself on a scale from 1 to 10 as a gardener. So if you're in the room, you can think about it for a moment and put your hands up. If you're worshiping from home, you can enter that in YouTube. But on a scale from 1 to 10, so 1 being the worst, 10 being the best, how are you as a gardener? Any, any takers here in the sanctuary? I see a 5, a 4. Uh, not many people are using two hands. I think a, a 6 might be the high. A 7 in the sanctuary. And 1 claiming to be a 10. I'll, I'll take that. I will give myself an honest three. I'd say I'm a three as a gardener. We can keep very basic indoor plants alive, like what you saw in Sarah's children's message and what you see over my left shoulder here, but I don't have anything to show for myself when it comes to outdoor gardening. And I don't want to offend any gardeners, but I feel like that's the real gardening, outside, in the dirt, that's, that's the gardening I'm thinking about when I assess my own skills. A couple years ago, Sarah and I moved from a one-bedroom apartment a few blocks south of here to a townhome nearby, and we were very excited because this townhome had a patio. We had outdoor space that was ours. Uh, it was not very big, but it had flower beds, so we were going to garden, and we were pumped about that, but we didn't do anything. I don't know if you guys have ever made plans like that to make your outside space beautiful and nothing happens. So they just sat there and they, we got busy, babies came, and gardening never happened. It would consistently get overgrown with weeds, like you see there. Weeds would fill the flower beds and uh, every quarter or so, Sarah would be motivated enough to weed it. She would do that. I would put it in a one of those yard waste bags from Home Depot and go throw it away. And then it just sit there until the weeds grew up again. And we've repeated this process a lot. And if I was a gambler, I'd, I don't think it'll change. So that's why I'm a three gardener, because that's, that's what our garden looks like. God, of course, is a better gardener than I am. And thank goodness for that. We know from the beginning of Scripture, God made the Garden of Eden, and I believe God's the creator of the world, and that includes fruits and plants and everything in it and everything that grows that's so unique. God made that. I was thinking about that this week as I tried to cut a kiwi. I thought I'd be adventurous and get a kiwi from the store, and it's a strange little fruit, and it's hard to cut. Do you, do, do you use a knife? Do you spoon it out? Uh, I still haven't quite figured it out, but God is an amazing creator and amazing gardener. We see that in Genesis, but this morning, though, we're going to look at God as gardener from the Gospel of John. Annalyn read for us this morning these words from Jesus, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. As God the Father is a gardener, God knows exactly what he's doing. And Jesus uses a simple illustration here in John 15 that everybody can understand. I'm a three gardener. If you're anywhere near where I am on that scale, you at least know and can conceptualize how gardening works. And I'm thankful that Jesus teaches with stories and with illustrations like this that help us get a sense of what it means to be faithful disciples. 
I have a, a couple neighbors who are exceptional gardeners. We see them outside all the time, tending to their gardens. They care for each plant, and their work really shows. There's a guy several townhouses down from us who meticulously waters his hanging plants, and he doesn't have a big space in front of his townhouse. It's maybe 10 feet wide, but it looks beautiful. It should be in a magazine. And when I see him out there doing it, I try to tell him that, to affirm him that his work uh, is not in vain because I appreciate it when I pass it every day. And a gardener like that is the type of gardener that God is. When we think of God as a gardener, he's not a gardener who gets too busy to weed or tired and forgets to water. He is present and faithful and consistent. As a gardener, God prunes to make the branches flourish, and he gives his plants room to grow. He desires that they blossom, that they expand, and that they bear fruit. We're going to talk about that a little more as we continue to dive into John 15 and explore that metaphor this morning. But before we even jump in, let's pause and think about God the gardener who is at work in each of our lives. So ask yourself as we step into this passage, what is God cultivating in you right now? There's the watering, the nurturing, God giving us what we need when we need it. It could be that right now this is a way that God is offering you comfort and how God is tending to you in your walk right now. So as you ask yourself this question, do you see a way that God is carefully caring for you? Maybe you haven't paused to think about it, but how is God caring for you in the way that a level 10 gardener diligently cares for their plants? That's not the only option, too. There's the pruning, right? Gardening is not all pretty and not all easy. Pruning is cutting off what is extra or unnecessary or in the way. And this pruning can be painful when we see it in our lives, when God trims away what hinders us and what prevents us from flourishing. So maybe this morning as as we consider God the gardener, you can see ways where God is calling you or forcing you to put aside aspects of life or habits to help you be a more faithful disciple. And the last way to to address this question is think about the aspect of repotting. Have you ever had to repot a plant because the soil simply was not working? Or what you were doing as an inside gardener had to be translated to the outdoors? Do you consider how God is at work with you in his garden right now? Maybe God is working on repotting you, offering you better soil for this season. I know several people for whom that is their story of God the gardener interacting with them over the last several months. So that's something to keep in mind as we walk into this passage and as you walk into your week ahead, what is God doing with you in his garden right now? Our metaphor continues throughout this passage this morning. Not only is God the gardener, but we see that In Jesus, God the Son, we have a true vine. This is a vine that is essential for God's people to flourish. 
Now this metaphor that we encounter here in John 15, it works on a couple levels, both the practical gardening level, but also on a deeper level because Jesus is revealing who he truly is here in John 15. And we can't miss that this morning. Jesus is not simply a teacher. He's not a dynamic speaker with some good illustrations. He is God and his presence changes everything. And he's declaring that here in John 15. It changed everything for those who heard him speak these words 2,000 years ago, and it changes everything for us as we hear these words if we take them to heart and if we respond to them. So let's look deeper at this vine metaphor. And as we do so, historical context is important to help us better understand the weight of Jesus' words in this passage. This isn't the first time in Scripture that there's talk of a vine representing God's relationship to God's people. For Jewish people who knew their Scripture, they would recognize this connection. Their ears would perk up when they hear the word vine and Jesus' teaching with the vine as a focal point that he's identifying himself as. So as Jesus calls himself the true vine, there is something else going on here in this passage. By identifying himself as the true vine, Jesus is making a profound statement. Israel, God's people, used the scriptures and were familiar with the scriptures that we have in the Old Testament. And there's occasions where we see this vine imagery there. I want you to look with me at, at Psalm 80 here. This is Starting in in verse 8, the psalmist says, You, this is the psalmist talking to God, you transplanted a vine from Egypt. You drove out the nations and planted it. You cleared the ground for it, and it took root and filled the land. Later in verse 14, return to us, God Almighty. Look down from heaven and see. Watch over this vine, the root your right hand has planted, the sun you have raised up for yourself. God's connection to God's people is represented long before Jesus' earthly ministry and before Jesus speaks these words in John 15, in Israel, the vine. The prophets paint a similar picture of Israel being connected as a vine, notably in Isaiah. Isaiah 5-7 says, The vineyard of the Lord Almighty is the nation Israel. And the people of Judah are the vines he delighted in. Again, this is God the gardener where he owns the vineyard and his chosen people are depicted as the vine. God has worked through Israel, this vine that we see described in the Psalms and we see that God has delighted in in Isaiah And in our passage this morning, in John 15, when Jesus says he's the true vine, he's saying that he is in himself the true Israel. He is a descendant of these prophecies and these promises, but he is also the fulfillment of them. Jesus, God in the flesh, is the fulfillment of these prophecies and of these promises. He is the hope of the world, and he is the one who connects not only Israel, but all people who heard it then, who hear it today, to God. The shift that occurs here 
when we realize this. And as the people in Scripture uh, at that moment who are listening, the, the shift is a dramatic one because God's purposes and promises for humanity are now resting on the shoulders of Jesus, God the Son. And for people who heard this message for the first time, this is a radical shift in understanding how God is working in the world. When Jesus says he's the true vine, he's making the assertion that the Savior is here. He, the Messiah, is here. God's purposes and God's promises aren't being carried out through a people group or through human kings or prophets or judges or high priests. God himself has put on flesh, has dwelt among the people as Jesus, this true vine we see revealed in John 15. It's good news this morning. This is just one bit of good news we have is that God's promises are resting on the shoulders of Jesus, God the Son. And that is the most dependable place to be because we know the whole story in Scripture. We know that Jesus' shoulders ultimately carry the cross upon which he is crucified and dies for the sins of the world. We've seen God's people, Israel, go through highs and lows throughout Scripture. Our 9.30 Bible study this morning finished working through First and Second Samuel this morning, and that chronicled highs and lows of life and leadership in Israel. And this, the psalm I read earlier, Psalm 80, shows God's people crying out for God to restore them, to watch over the vine that is Israel, God's people. God is answering that call. God has answered that call in Jesus. Jesus brings us near as branches of the vine that he is. I am the vine and you are the branches. Those who answer this invitation from Jesus and remain in him will bear much fruit for God's glory. We're the branches, right? We We've talked about God as the gardener. We've talked about Jesus as the true vine. And finally, at the crux of all of this, there is us, the branches. We are branches that are tended to and nourished by God the Father and God the Son. But what does that actually mean? John 15:5 says fully, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. We're called to remain or to abide in Jesus as a branch remains connected to a vine. This entails being connected to Jesus through prayer, through service, and through personal devotion. And it also entails being connected to a church. We believe that Jesus is the head of the church and we operate with him as our king. And remaining in Jesus has to lead us to remain faithfully connected to one another in our commitment to Jesus, our Lord. If we're being transparent with one another, I think a lot of people would admit that it can be tough to maintain connections and especially tough to abide in one another and to abide in what matters in 2020. 
I don't know about you all, but I've taken this unique year as an opportunity to try to be more consistent, catching up with friends and catching up with family members. And it still surprises me when I catch up with a friend and they share what's happening in their life, I share what's happening in my life, and it feels like we had talked just a month ago. And then when we do this, we realize it's actually been three, four, maybe even five months since we've actually talked. I feel like I'm keeping a close connection with them, but time just feels different right now. And when I'm lax in my communication, I learn about things from my friends that are serious or monumental in their life that I've missed out on or that I'm hearing about later. In the same way that this is a possibility in our relationships and with our friendships, there's a possibility that we can get lax in our connection with Jesus and with church and with one another. But we must remain. We must be steadfast. Jesus calls us to remain in him this morning. And and some of your Bibles might render that word as abide. So Jesus is saying, abide in me, remain in me. And to abide means to continue without fading or without being lost. Has anyone felt this year like any of your relationships have faded or are on the verge of being lost? I wonder sometimes with all the events of 2020, could these together be a catalyst that dissolves relationships that aren't being consciously nurtured? There's many variables that, if they existed in a vacuum, would make it a challenge. Throw them all together in this year that we have, and there's the possibility that relationships and connections could fade away. That's why it's important for us to realize as we look and hear these words from Jesus this morning that abiding and remaining requires intentionality. In relationship with Jesus, as in our relationships with others, we must intentionally make time and space to stay, to remain, and to persist. But it's interesting, this abiding in Jesus, that at the same time that intentionality is required, the action of remaining or abiding is also a bit passive. We're told to stay put. Stay put in Jesus. Abide in him. Think back to to gardening for a second. The branches that we see on trees, in gardens, The branches do not do the work of watering. They do not do the work of pruning or of repotting. They simply stay put and exist. They stay right where they are, connected to the vine and ultimately the roots. So we need to respond to this call from Jesus this morning to be intentional to abide in Jesus, the true vine. Yet at the very nature of Jesus as the true vine, and God the Father as the gardener, is that if we make the commitment to abide and to remain in Jesus, it's God who does the action. I'll say that one more time. If we're intentional in abiding in Jesus, God the Father, who is almighty and all-powerful, does the work. It's not on us 
to, to do the work of God. God uses us to be instruments to do his work. But the power, the responsibility, the charge, that comes from God. That comes from Jesus, our true vine, and God the Father, our gardener. Our gardener. It's God who cares for us, who nurtures us, who provides for our needs and holds us in times of prosperity and times of hardship. A final question to to consider this morning and in the week ahead is, how are you staying connected to God right now? How are you abiding in the true vine? I want to offer a, a great way to abide in Christ is to start by abiding in community. If you're looking for ways to connect with community, we would love to do that for you. You can reach out to me, you can reach out to Pastor Phil, and we're glad you're worshiping with us here as we're gathered at 11 on Sunday morning. But as we scatter throughout the week, we want to continue to abide in one another as we abide in Jesus. We'd love for you to join our classes, our studies, our opportunities for fellowship, service, and prayer. The, the thing about the vine and the branches is that this connection goes two ways. The vine nourishes the branches, and in turn, the branches bear fruit for that vine. So as you consider how are you abiding in the true vine, consider abiding within the church. Consider abiding within our community to flourish together. When we gave ourselves gardening ratings earlier, I gave myself a three. And the reality is there are people who really do know what they're doing when it comes to gardening. And, and I grew up with one. My dad, he used to be a teacher of a class called Master Gardeners. So you think he would be at least a nine, if not claiming a ten. And he was such an expert at this. I, I was pretty young, but I knew, I knew he was good at it. He even had a column in our local paper where he offered gardening tips based on the cycle of the seasons and, and what specifically to do in your garden. And we would be at the grocery store uh, when I was little, and people would come up to us because they recognized this picture and ask him, what should I do with this plant? Or should, should I put the seeds in this week? Or should I wait a little bit longer? People who are in the 9 to 10 range, they know what to do. They know when to plant. They know when to prune, when to add soil, when to protect their plants from a frost. They are students of the craft of gardening, and they have a ton of knowledge, a ton of resources at their disposal. So when it comes to caring for us, the branches, God has every resource available And God wants to pour into our lives, into each of our lives, so that we can bear fruit and bear witness to who God is. That's what Jesus is getting at this morning when he says, This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. God doesn't only ask us to abide in him, he promises to reciprocate. That's why we see him say, If you remain in me, and I in you. The gift of the Holy Spirit is real. God is invested in us, and like a good gardener cares for their plants, God does all that and more to set us up to flourish for his sake. So let's set out this week to remain in Jesus. 
the rest of today, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, until we gather for worship again. Separately, we can each do this and we can bear much fruit. And then you put us all together as the church, all of the fruit and all of those blossoms combined, and you see that God is truly up to something. So let's be the branches this week and keep your eyes peeled to how God is at work in our lives and in the life of the church as a gardener who is equipping us to be his disciples, sharing his love to the world. Amen?